Okay, this one, I didn't realize there's only like, you know, a couple pages, <laughs> but it's all right. Get out of here a little bit early. Uh, okay, so this one, to me, is gonna be just as practical and important as last week's, and it's focus on the assignment. And I think it was, I think it was Bill John Johnson that I saw this uh, or heard him talk about what Elisha focused on in spite of what was going around, going on around him. And it's really, really good. And I just happened to be at that section when he taught that. So it's in First uh, Kings nineteen nineteen through twenty one, and we know that Elisha has now an assignment to anoint several people for the next phase of what God's doing in the country, right? And it says, so he departed from there, and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the twelfth. Elisha passed by him and cast his cloak upon him, and he left the oxen, and he ran after Elijah and said, let me kiss my father and my mother, and I will follow you. And he said, go back again, for what have I done to you? You know, I just sometimes feel like Elijah has a little bit of an attitude. I, I mean, I don't know if he does, but that's kind of like what I do. I didn't do anything. Um, you just threw your cloak on me. Anyway, and uh, so he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed him and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen, gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. Now, some teachers have taught that Elijah or Elisha was um, plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. He wasn't. He was part of a team, and so he had his two, and then there were six other men that were also okay. plowing. But what's interesting is that's wealth. So he obviously came from uh, means. You know what I mean? His family had means, and uh, but he left it all to uh, assist um, Elijah. But the entire story is weird, and and just how Elijah was responding to Elisha. So again, I can't discern, like, was that part of Elisha's testing that Elijah was doing on purpose, or was Elijah fussy? So maybe y'all will have some thoughts at the end. Um, the main thing is that Elisha endured. So we're going to try to break it, <coughs> break it down. But, um, oh, I already talked about that, how Elijah wasn't doing a whole... 12 yoke. Now, one of the things that I love about this story is that Elisha was a businessman. He was out in the marketplace. I mean, I don't even know if he had any lineage as far as priesthood or, or you know, uh, he was, you know, prophetic or anything like that. Here he is. He's just minding his business, literally. Minding his business. Now, what I like about that, other than the fact that it's a marketplace um, situation, is also Jesus said, do business until I come, or occupy until I come. Occupy is business. Business is occupation. So we know that God is focused on the marketplace, and he actually has always been focused on the marketplace. I have not found a story yet where one of the people used by God in the Bible did not influence some type of influencer, whether it was a king, uh, uh, you know, uh, someone that was high up, a priest, etc. They, they always seemed to have access to people of influence so that they could shape nations. It's very, very interesting. Uh, so anyway, 
He's a businessman. He's a, a working man. And Elijah threw his mantle on him. What I found out about that is that was done in adopting a child. I didn't know that. Or passing one's commission or function to another. So in this case, we know Elisha's kind of doing both. I mean, he's adopting Elisha, taking him under his wing to train him, and he's also going to transfer his prophetic office to Elisha. And it appears, <laughs> so just picture the scene. You've got Elisha out there, you know, working his oxen with the field, or in the field. Elijah is walking by, flings his mantle, and just throws it on him. I was at a meeting, and there was this lady. Roberta might have been there. It was the Amarillo meeting. And you'd be worshiping, and she'd just throw material on you. <laughs> Were you there for that? And I'm like, what the H-E double hockey sticks? Girl, if you throw anything on me, I'm, you know, like, I'm going to be taking that thing off, and we're going to have a problem. But it was weird. It was like she's going around just throwing material on people. And uh, so that's that kind of, you know, is what, here you are, just my, you know, and then all of a sudden you're blinded and you can't see where your ox are going and you take it off and you look and there's Elijah, you know. So that kind of sounds like he's literally walking, he throws his mantle on him, and then he keeps walking. Doesn't even stop. So Elijah runs after him and he says, hey, I got, I got to tell my parents goodbye. Um, now, uh, in the Amplified, it says in verse 20, He left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my mother and father, and now I will follow you. And he, testing Elisha, said, Go on back. What have I done to you? Settle it for yourself. So I guess that's what that is. Um, now, there's that scripture where the Lord says, You know, you've got to leave everything. How, how is that phrase where if you look back, you know, can't go in a straight line basically but if you set your hand to the plow yeah don't turn around and look back. and then there's another one about leaving your father and mother and the one guy he had to, he wanted to go back and tell his parents goodbye or something and the lord he didn't think that was cool so here i mean obviously elisha was just anointed to take the prophetic office of one of the greatest prophets uh in history other than john the baptist and, you know, he, he wants to go back and kiss his mother and father goodbye. That was a custom, by the way. It was a custom, but the Lord still seemed to look down upon it. So what I'm thinking is it might be motive. If you go a little bit deeper on the one that said that to him in the New Testament, there was an inheritance involved that the guy wanted. So I think probably in the language there, there's like a double-mindedness where... I heard someone teach this was actually, like you said, a custom. And not only that, but he took his yoke, he burned it, he sacrificed his oxen, meaning he was burning every bit bridge to his past. You know what I mean? Like he was not going to return to that. He knew his life was completely changed. And so then he gave it to the people and they celebrated this. So then he devoted his attention to serving the prophet as his assistant. So here it seems like like the blind man that flung his clothes off, you know, he, his identity shifted and he took off that cloak that identified him as a blind man. This is kind of a similar thing. Now, 
We're going to fast forward a little bit. Uh, we'll come back to chapter 20 because it's like there's this weird incident with Elisha and then we go back to the kings. And I don't know how long Elisha was mentored. Does anybody know by Elisha? Okay. Okay, so now we're going to go over into 2 Kings chapter 2. Okay, so 2 Kings chapter 2 and we're going to read verses 1 through uh, 8. Okay, so now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, Oh, no, you don't. As long as God lives and you live, I am stuck to you like glue. Now, of course, that's not what it really says. But So then they went down to Bethel. Then the sons of the prophets, their students, disciples, who were in Bethel, came out to Elisha and said, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Yeah, I know. Shh. Now, this is funny. In prophetic communities, it can be hard to keep stuff from people. So what I'm thinking is they were picking up on it. They were discerning this was a day, or maybe they heard the news, I don't know. But they're like, hey, do you know? You know, like, it's coming. And he's like, yeah, I know, be quiet. Well, why would he tell them to be quiet? So he didn't want to leave. What would you say? <laughs> well, but it was going to happen, so I'm not sure they were decreeing anything necessarily bad. But well, I think it's kind of like a, the separation, but also he's going to keep his focus. Okay? He didn't want his focus to be off. Now, we can't help but think of Peter. Right? So Peter is hearing the Lord saying, I'm going to be crucified. And Peter's like, uh-uh, nope, that will not happen. We will make sure it doesn't happen. And then he gets rebuked for being mindful, right? So perspective. Being mindful of what the enemy was saying, not the things of God. So Peter's focus was not on the focus of the Lord, which was the entire reason the Son of Man came was for him to be crucified, resurrected, right? So we have Peter, who was not mindful. We have Elisha. He's like, yeah, I know, but I'm focused on wherever he's going because he's got a goal. He's got a definite chief aim. And we'll find out what it is in a second. So then Elisha said, Elisha, stay here for the Lord sent me to Jericho. And he's like, again, no, I'm not going anywhere. So they go to Jericho. The sons of the prophet who were at Jericho drew near to Elijah and said, Hey, did you know today that the Lord will take away your master? He's like, Yes, I know. Be quiet. And I also find it ironic. All these sons of the prophets are just kind of coming out of the woodworks. And Elijah thought he was the only one. So then Elijah said, Please stay here for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he's, again, I'm not going anywhere. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went, and they stood at some distance from them, and as they were both as they were both standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, struck the water. The water uh, was parted to one side and to the other till the two of them 
could go over on dry land. I mean, that just seems to be a common occurrence back then. I mean, it's like everybody's just like, okay, I'll just part a river and walk across. You know? Jesus, he just walked on water. Okay. Gilgal, which was the first city that Elijah went to, and I'm not even sure what he's doing. Um, I don't know if he's like doing ministry at these particular places and encouraging the prophets or if he's just traveling to a destination and he's not doing anything uh, in those cities. But Gilgal were, uh, is where they camped when they entered Canaan before they crossed the Jordan. It was an important religious center for Israel during both Samuel and Saul's times. At time, twelve stones were set for the uh, twelve tribes there. Uh, the circumcision ceremony was celebrated there, as well as a great Passover feast that's in Joshua 4:20. But later, it was condemned by the prophets for the false worship uh, there, like at Bethel. Jeroboam had built golden calves at Gilgal and Bethel. Uh, the word itself means circle or rolling based on uh, Joshua 5.9 that says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled back the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. That is to me significant. I might be reading more into it than there is. But remember, uh, Elijah felt that he wasn't any better than his father's. And so the first city he goes to is the place where shame and reproach is rolled away. So it's almost like he's going through a restoration process, uh, possibly. But again, I could be reading too much into it. Okay, so the memorial of the reproach of Egypt, which is slavery, okay, being rolled away, is it's ironic that it became a place of idolatry. And it appears that you know now they they they're in Gilgal, they're going to Bethel. Um, he refuses to be separated to him. Now, Beth, uh, from him, Bethel is very important because this is the location for many encounters that people had. Um, we've got Abraham, his son Jacob. Remember, he bumped into the portal. He, you know, lays down to take a nap, and then he sees the ladder uh, from earth to heaven. It's called the house of God. But again, we have a golden calf. And the word Bethel became a slanderous byword among some of the prophets. And then later, Josiah destroyed its corrupt altar and place of worship. So we again have a pattern. So we have, in spite of the idolatry, we have Elijah going to a place where approaches, reproach is rolled away, and now he's in a place of presence. Okay? So presence is restored. Uh, and again, everybody knows, you know, it's hard to keep a secret, seriously, when you've got prophetic people around. And uh, I found out that the word or the phrase, keep quiet, which means, you know, to be silent. Get this, refrain from telling some news or information or to refrain from speech or even mourning. So that confirms your thoughts, I think, Diane, that you know, being separated, no telling how long they were together. He would have been a, like a father to him. He knows that he's leaving, but Elisha does not want to be distracted by grief. And again, there's a prophetic picture of that in uh, Genesis, I think it's chapter 11, where we find that Abraham's dad had the same call to leave Ur and go to Canaan. Like it says it right there. 
But his son, Haran, had passed away, when they, which was Lot's dad. So when they got to uh, the city of Haran, Abraham's dad stopped there. And so I've taught, and again, I might be reading more into it, but I've taught that his grief stopped him. And so you have to be really careful to not allow grief to distract because grief can distract. I heard an individual say the other day that, you know, grief can last for years. It shouldn't. Uh, God prescribed, was it 30 days, I think, to mourn in the law, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. Now, I mean, you might be thinking, well, that's terrible. Well, he knows that if you don't properly process grief, 30 days can turn into 30 years. Before you know it, you're, you're dead, you're in hopefully heaven, and you miss life completely. Like there's no second chance. You know, once you're there, that's it. And you missed your call. You missed your life. How many people uh, were not, you know, blessed by you because you've been in grief and so you were distracted by it and couldn't minister to others? So it's very important to have Holy Spirit help you process grief because you'll go through it a lot faster. Uh, and, and especially like you know if you're a, a you know a couple and one of the, the you know spouses passes away most people it can take a year for them to get through it with the Holy Spirit and you working with him it can be easier for you and on you and so he didn't want to be distracted Elijah is now going to Jericho uh, he again refuses the word Jericho means fragrance like a sweet fragrance and so again, we've got his reproaches rolled away. He's now in the presence of God. And now that restoration is bringing about a sweet fragrance for those that are around him. So the same thing happens. You know, the, the prophets go out. Yes, I know, I know, I know. And then, of course, it repeats for the Jordan. Now, the Jordan is just as famous. We have Gilgal where it started, the entrance to the promised land. We have Bethel, the place of presence. We have Jericho, which was the first battle Israel experienced after crossing the Jordan. And then the word Jordan means the one going down. So it's the lowest river on the earth. I didn't know that. Uh, it's parted and rolled back all the way to Adam in Joshua 3, remember? And, uh, and it was during a time of harvest, so its banks would have been overflowing. And so Elijah, he just strikes it and walks across. Okay, so, so far, Elisha, he's, he's not taking his eyes off of him. He's following him wherever he goes, and he's not even distracted by grief. Verse 9, And when they had crossed, Elisha said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. So his faith has passed the test. Now he has earned the right for his request. So Elijah said, Please, let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, well, you've asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and taught, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen, and then he saw him uh, no more. So he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them in two pieces. Okay, so now he's going to, you know, obviously deal with the fact that he's gone. But what's it, funny 
is just like, you know, he's minding his business and a mantle is thrown on him. Now they're just walking along talking. All of a sudden, chariots just come between them and separate the two. A very, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but if I saw fiery chariots from heaven, I would probably pause. You know, like I would, wow, what's going on? I'd probably be fascinated with them. But did y'all notice that the, the, whole, the whole condition was, if you see me as I'm being taken from you, you'll get the double portion. He couldn't be distracted by grief, and he couldn't be distracted by the supernatural. This is so important because people that are distracted by the supernatural power of God that they're, you know, able to operate in or maybe that they see where they put people on a pedestal, when you get distracted and starstruck by that stuff, you are missing the entire point. And so it also is a character flaw because we're supposed to um, be used of the Lord in the supernatural we're supposed to cultivate our giftings. We're supposed to practice healing the sick and raising the dead and all of those things. But none of those things are ever for one tiny little bitty bit be approval. Okay? We're not supposed to glory in No. Now, he'll share his glory, actually. The problem becomes when we think it's us. And so that's why... Um, like when people are chasing miracles or chasing the supernatural, um, I, I can sometimes have a problem, but I'm also not going to be religious. And it's not either or. It's both. But people got to understand, teaching, preaching, those are also supernatural. Hospitality. A lot of people don't know <coughs> things that seem like not as flashy. You know, people think, that they're not gifts. They actually are. They're anointings that people carry. I mean, I can guarantee that hospitality is an anointing. I always forget to offer people water. So, all that to say is that Elisha, he had a focus. And his focus was a double portion anointing. And it wasn't for his own self. He knew the task that he had. The task was getting rid of Jezebel. Okay? So he couldn't be distracted by any of that stuff. And we'll get into like, you know, those people that called him a bald man and he cursed and then bears ate him. We're going to dive into that and, you know. Wasn't it 40 bears came out of the woods? Might have been. I know it was uh, she bears, they had cubs. I think it was 40 bears came out of the woods. And when you have she bears, they're probably fussy, you know, they're cubs running around all day trying to keep them, you know, harnessed and stuff. I mean, man. So he kept his eyes on Elijah. He saw him go up, and because he kept his eyes on his assignment, he was qualified for a double portion. Okay, so don't get distracted with your, you know, everything that God calls you to do. Keep your focus on your assignment. So then in verse 13, so he takes the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him. He goes back, and he stands at the bank, bank of the Jordan. Now, obviously, the waters, you know, went back to normal. He took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and he struck the water. And at first nothing happened. And then he said, where is Yahweh, the God of Elijah? And when he struck the water again, the water was parted to the one side and to the other. 
and Elisha crossed right on over. And that's important. You know, like he he knew he had it, and he's like, hey, I know I got it. Where are you at? And, uh, and so then the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho saw him opposite them, and they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him, and they bowed to the ground before him. And so I love this part of the story because it shows that this is a key place where many might quit. You get a prophetic word or you get an assignment, someone prays for you or whatever, and you go to exercise whatever it is that you have been given and nothing happens. Most people, well, nothing must have happened. I have seen it over and over. I, I have, and I'm sure all of you have experienced this, where you pray for someone, like a healing, they turn right around and talk sickness as if you did not heal them at that moment. Or they have a family situation, or whatever it is, and you pray, everybody feels the anointing, and then they turn right around as if you did not pray. So that's why I change things up. You know, it's like, okay, what scriptures are you standing on? Where is evidence that when I pray for this, you will get it? Because if you don't require the people to at least validate that they are in agreement with the word, you're wasting your time. And not only that, because of that mindset, they'll actually, it'll wound faith. And so they'll just keep going down, well, you know, God never, is Christianity even real? I mean, blah, blah, you know, I mean, you keep, people have been shipwrecked because, all, and you know, and not everyone that comes to you, you need to pray for either. Because sometimes they want prayer instead of actually doing what God has told them to do in the first place. So sometimes that can be the case as well. But anyway, so he didn't quit. He knew he got it. He saw Elijah go up. He stayed focused. He didn't let anything uh, distract him. And then when it was time, he was able to say, hey, where are you? And bam, uh, God parted the waters. Now, where they bowed down to them, to him, they weren't obviously worshiping him. They were just communicating, okay, you are now head of the prophets. Therefore, we will submit to your authority. Now, later they asked Elisha to go looking for Elijah, and they kept pestering him, <laughs> which is ironic because they're like, hey, he's gone, but now they want to go hunt for him, and it's, well, which is it, you know? So they're, they're going to go try. I guess they thought maybe he went for a ride, and he's dropped off at the, net, the last you know, chariot station. I don't know. But anyway, they kept pestering him. He finally conceded. He's only one of two, other than the Lord, obviously, but in the Old Testament, who went to heaven without tasting death. Okay, so the main lesson from today is to keep your eyes on your assignment. And if you don't know what your assignment is, you might want to get with the Lord and figure out what it, what it is. It's kind of like, you know, I was telling you guys how I was feeling fussy in my prayer time because I didn't have any focus. You have to have a focus or you're, you're like a ship without an anchor. You'll just go wherever. And it doesn't mean that you can't have hobbies and fun things that you do, but your overall life assignment is very important. And sometimes you may just break it down to 90 days, you know, if necessary. Uh, but the main thing is keep your eyes on your assignment. Don't be distracted by change. 
grief, discouragement, loss, or what others say. Follow directions, keep your head down, and complete your assignment. Okay. Man. Wow. Has this ever happened in the history of the hub? 28 minutes. 28 minutes? Wow. My goodness. Huh. Short window. I know. Maybe the Holy Spirit knew I need to get done so Dorena could watch her football. I think they did. But that I think that's what I was referring to. That might be what I was referring to. And uh and I mean you, you know, people have made entire doctrines that you're not even supposed to go to funerals because of that one thing. Um my grandpa's was probably one of the most annoying fun funerals I've ever been to. Uh, it was very shocking. But um, again, I think it was a motive. And I think in the language, because I studied that years ago, he wanted the inheritance. Because if he did go back, it may have been the first son. And that might have been another tradition. Yeah. The first son had to be at the funeral right. to get the inheritance from his father. Like there was something different. there where his heart was divided. And like we talked about, you know, Friday, it, loyal love is agape love. So I think that's what was going on there, and he wanted the, the inheritance. Do you remember saying that? I mean, we went say that years ago, I think when I was like a teenager. But um, If you don't read it right and understand it, it it's like a tripping. Right. Well, it also is why to be led. I mean, um, like people that, you know, if, if something happens, immediately drop everything and run. Are you supposed to? You know, like me and my um, friend Cindy, we have a standing agreement. If anything ever happens in our lives where we need one another, we have freedom to ask Holy Spirit if we should drop what we're doing and go. Because you don't want to get distracted now of your assignment. And you may have like a divine appointment or something that you're doing where if you leave, you know, now you've put that above what God wants you to do. But the other side of it is you have other people that they say that's their assignment and they neglect their family. You know, so that's why being led of the Spirit is so important. Um, and when we had the furnace over at the Masters, my grandfather died. I was there that Friday uh, because that was my assignment. And I let everybody know I will be there because um, we didn't know when he was going. So that but if holy spirit said hey don't worry about it cancel it you know and that's fine i i would have so it is it's being in your lane in your assignment and being led by holy ghost Kathy mm -hmm. said you finished early because i'm not there to interrupt <laughs> lol exclamation points to we miss your input <laughs> All right, well, let's pray over our um, tithes and offerings. And I want to release healing into her body. And then um, also, 
uh, we don't know if anyone was in the house, but right across Maine, uh, on that first block on Plains, a house burned to the ground last night. And uh, so I want to pray for whoever that was, and hopefully everybody's out safe and sound. But uh, Father, we thank you for the healing power of the Holy Ghost. And right now, as a, a family, and in unity, which is the greatest synergistic power there is in the kingdom, we join our faith together, and we release healing into Kathy's body. Uh, we command all symptoms to disappear. We command her immune system to rise up, and we release a complete healing. Uh, we curse and speak death to all viruses and bacteria in Jesus' name. Uh, Father, she runs a business, and she doesn't have time to be down. But I do ask that as you're healing her body today, Holy Spirit, that she just have the best day. Peace, rest, naps, whatever it is she wants to do, Father, uh, we release healing and joy and peace into her uh, dwelling in her body in Jesus' name. And Father, we also, I don't even know where to start on the fire last night other than, Father, it's very traumatic uh, anytime there's destruction like that. But with fire, I mean, you pretty much lose everything. There, you know, your memories, um, your you know, clothing, your food, everything. It's usually just 